Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whatever time you're listening or wherever you're listening from. Welcome along to A Blank Canvas. I'm Cameron Rawson, and this is episode 26 with Sarah Florence. How are you doing? I hope you're feeling good. This is the first of its kind in terms of a podcast guest. I had a great conversation with Sarah Florence. I've known Sarah for years. She's a photographer and a fucking great one at that. Obviously, it's very difficult for me to uh, describe photos to you. So just go to our Instagram, the Blank Canvas Pod, or to Sarah's, which is at Sarah Florence Lord. Uh, check out her Instagram. It's, it's truly incredible. She's currently living in America and she spent some time in New York last year. And that's a big part of what we talk about. Uh, there's, there's a lot going on in this episode. It's a very, very exciting and interesting, some parts sad, some parts happy episode. We speak about her time in New York, meeting the homeless of New York, the concept of a good photograph, what it means to be photogenic and much, much more. I had a really good time recording this episode. Thank you very much, Sarah, for taking part and being a great guest. Go to our Instagram to check out all of her photos or go to her Instagram. Honestly, you need to see these photos uh, to understand the context of what we're talking about. But the, yeah, it's just incredible. This is episode 26 of A Blank Canvas with Sarah Florence. Welcome, Welcome. to A Blank Canvas. With Cameron Rawson. Cameron Rawson. So I'm going to start by asking, uh, before we get into who Sarah Florence is, before we get into who you are, I want to ask how things are with you, how are you doing? I know you're in America. Um, we'll talk about America later on as well at some point. But yeah, how are you doing? What's going on in your world? Yeah, I'm really well, thanks. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm living quite the, quite the same lockdown that most people are living um except the fact that i'm in america and uh <laughs> very different standards of lockdown over here but um i'm good i'm good life is life is pretty slow and quiet and uh you know it's like uh, you know I, I i imagine this whole year as being like a kid during i remember being a kid and you know during a rainy day having to find those uh those things that keep you entertained inside the house um, rather than outside and rather than socializing, just one big rainy day. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a really good way of putting it, to be honest. No one's really said it, uh, sort of put it in that kind of way. I mean, it reminds me of um, sort of being off for summer for, at school when you've got that six mm. weeks, except it's gone from six months to, you know, nearly 12, a year now. Yeah. Um, and I've obviously, the reason why I've invited, well, asked you to come on, you very generously. Uh, agreed to it is you've been extremely creative um i think you've a lot of people you especially have sort of applied all this time they've got for uh you know unlocking a sort of the creative part of your brain like mm. how did this sort of come organically to you did you go right i want to do some creative shit or is it creative stuff or did you kind of just sort of like slowly get into all these photos and being i mean we'll go again in like i said earlier with a few other things we'll go into like uh, greater detail on some of the things you've been doing because honestly your photos are amazing um, and what you do what you're doing is awesome too finding out stories of of people is is just so wholesome and i love it um <laughs> but yeah so how, how did all the uh photography come to be um like i've i've always i've always been interested in photography i've always been um a visual person you know just doing 
doing art and, you know, it's a, it's a way of keeping my brain busy, but also, you know, a very meditative practice, um, kind of, you know, focus and quiet and everything else. Um, but definitely during, you know, when, when lockdown kind of came to be, I'm, you know, just, just like everybody else, it was, you know, got, got whiplash from the sudden halt in life. And especially with, with moving over to America, I, I had been in America for about, um, for about four or five months, I think before lockdown started. Um, but it, but I had, I, I had, I had only just decided that I was moving here permanently by the time lockdown came around. So all of a sudden, you know, I was ready to start my life here. I was ready to put down roots and, uh, and that kind of, um, you know, kind of went to shit because obviously, you know, I couldn't get outside. I couldn't socialize. I couldn't network and all that kind of thing. So actually having a camera in my hands and being able to photograph the things around me, the people around me, it was, it was a way of, um, beginning to understand America and being able to engage in my environment. Um, and it, you know, and it was, it was something to do. It was a, it was a little project to keep me busy and to keep me sane and, you know, to make me, to kind of validate my time, I guess. It's interesting because, uh, what you, the sort of, uh, photos you take of a very, uh, human, um, literally, and it's just, uh, just one photo represents so much. I mean, I remember years ago when you were, I mean, I've literally seen the development of your photos from <laughs> taking snaps in nightclubs of people where oh, it's sort yeah. of like a bunch of people together to now where it's a photo of somebody in New York, a black and mm. white photo, but it just a photo alone it sounds such a cliche thing to say about a photograph, but it captures so much. It tells such a story in one. Thank you. One black and white photo, you can, you can see someone's pain, someone's happiness, someone's confusion as to why they're there, the, the reason, you know, there's so much you can see into it. Now, when you're taking a photo of somebody potentially who's homeless or um, they've not lived a fantastic life, how do you go about approaching them saying, hey, can you be in a photo? Do you kind of just take it and show them and say, look, I've got this photo of you. Can I find mm. out some info about you? Can I can I have a chat with you? How does how does that happen? Because I imagine some people would be would be quite sort of, you know, re would rather have kind of avoid that. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that was a really for me. You know, I I was very much kind of learning on the job. The project came around entirely organically. I had no, you know, it, it came it came about because I was up in. I was up in New York visiting, uh, visiting my cousin who lives in Harlem and I'd kind of, I, I had gone up, um, taken, taken my cameras and was, I, I, what I was intending to do was do some street photography, you know, where, where better to go than New York for street photography. But I would, I, I was, I was staying with him for about two weeks. And the first day that I went out, you know, camera in hand, you know, intention in mind, there was there was nobody on the on the streets there was nothing to <laughs> photograph except except for the buildings which i thought was really interesting so you know i kind of you know marched marched the streets of manhattan um for pro probably about 5 hours and the thing that and the thing that i saw 
was uh, were were people, you know, people homeless on on the sidewalks, and it kind of it it kind of came to me. It's you know, really, it's a very obvious, uh, really obvious fact that with COVID, you know, all of us are you know fretting about losing our jobs, about losing, you know, it's it's a stressful time for everyone, but. In America, the way that the the way that the economy is structured, um, stati- I, I, can't, I can't quite remember the exact statistic, but there are so many people here who live literally paycheck to paycheck. This is a this is a country that is um, built on the concept of credit. So you know, as soon as um, as soon as credit kind of goes out the window and that structure and that support, um, people are you know it's a it's a pretty desperate situation and then there was a it was a, it was a very interesting contrast between in, in new york specifically but all of the people who you know all of the wealthy uh people who live in new york they 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 fled <laughs> they fled to uh you know massachusetts or new jersey or wherever else they left the city um and there and then there were all these people left you know who who were facing eviction and everything else. Um, sorry, I'm de- I'm deviating from the question. No, please but... <laughs> carry on. It's gen- genuinely interested in what you're saying. Yeah. So so what so what I did when I was when I was on the streets. Um, the first the first photo I took I was on Fifth Avenue, and um, and I saw this man literally just lying down on the street, um, and he was lying in front of a luxury a luxury brand store sign and um and i walked i walked over to him and you know and um struck up a conversation and asked and asked if i could take his picture and he was i i was expecting to kind of you know exactly as you said it's quite a thing yeah i can i i would understand how people are reluctant you know especially especially with um, photojournalism like that, I think we have a tendency to romanticize and simplify, and um, in a in a way, it's it's this it's this weird voyeurism that exists um, for people who are in a privileged position, looking at homelessness, and you know, are have you know, showing sympathy, but not really having any. It's it's it it can be quite an exploitative thing. So that was something that I was already very uh, conscious of and very aware of that I wanted to avoid even before I began. So I made sure to speak to I spoke to every every person I photographed. Um, you know, as much as they wanted to talk to me, as much as they wanted to tell me or didn't want to tell me. A lot of the people uh, would say they were happy to happy for me to photograph them, but didn't want, um, you know, didn't didn't really have anything to say to me, and that that was absolutely fine. Um, and you know, and I, I valued all of those interactions equally. So I photographed that that first man uh, lay, laying on the streets um, of Fifth Avenue, and um, and as he introduced himself, he said his name was Carl, as in Karl Marx. Which I just thought was that that tableau, that imagery, um, and what and what it symbolizes as well. You know, you're in New York, the center of capitalism, mm. and there's a very, very 
blatant um, disassociation between, uh, you know, the American dream, what we what we all covered, and then what the actual reality is. And as people as people left the city and as the streets got empty, I mean, I was I was walking around Times Square, and the only people that were there were homeless. And I thought it was a very interesting contrast that you you know you're used to this sea of people, you know screens up everywhere blaring their their message down their adverts and then all of a sudden covid happens and the people that are left you know it's like it's like a it's like a sieve you know everybody mm. that sea of people those tourists drain away and the and the people that are left are have always been there but they haven't always been visible and that and and now, now there, now there aren't any people, you know, now there aren't any tourists or people walking the streets. Homelessness has become a lot more visible and a lot more obvious. I've just done a quick Google as to how many people are homeless in New York. Yeah. Um, and this is from 2019, this Wall Street Journal piece. Uh, around 4,000 people living on the streets in New York at the moment, which is... I mean, it's just crazy. Um, and I think it's one of those things where you've kind of highlighted, highlighted the fact that if there was X amount of tourists visiting Manhattan or New York or wherever, then you don't particularly see as many people who mm. are homeless because they're not literally visible. They're not the only people on the streets. It's like exactly. kind of like a, dyst it must, must feel like a bit of a dystopian um situation you know situation with the fact that it's it is so quiet and the only oh, people totally. there are those that are living on the street um yeah so you, was, you were saying so it, when you went sorry go on. no no i know exa exactly as you said it was it was a sci-fi experience it was it was absolutely bizarre and actually just to um i'm i'm look this the statistics that i have for the number of homeless and it's it's a very it's a very very difficult thing to quantify um because um there's a big difference between people living on the streets and people living in shelters um, in the shelters. So actually um, the coalition for the homeless, which is the charity that I've, uh, that I was um, promoting through the, through the shelter in place series um, coalition for the homeless sites that uh, from November, 2020, there was seven, uh, 57,000, 57,000 homeless people. Fucking cow. Yeah, and that's that's living in the shelters. So the majority of the people that I spoke to on the streets, um, you know, asking them about their COVID stories and about, you know, where they've come from and who they are, a lot of the people that I spoke to um, didn't, were, were, were highly, highly, highly unwilling to go into the, sh to go into the shelter structure because there's the, I mean, aside from the potential violence that a lot of people spoke, uh, told me about, uh, violent violence from other inhabitants, from, you know, from the actual staff, custodians themselves, um, COVID thrown into the mix. There's, you know, there, there was, there was no sanitation. There was no, um, sheltering. There was no, um, Lot, you know, no lockdown whatsoever. You know, it's kind of an impossible task. So actually, you know, for fifty-seven thousand people living in shelters, there are countless, countless more living on the streets, choosing. So I mean, being forced to live on the streets. 
to make it a little more um, relatable in terms of the numbers, so the population of Manchester is about 550,000. So that's mm. more than 10% of the population of Manchester equivalent of being in shelter or on the streets, which is fucking insane. Mm. It is just the number. I, I honestly just... But these are the kind of numbers that you don't just kind of sit about and go and Google. You know, people don't research this stuff and a lot of people avoid this stuff. A lot of people avoid homeless people. So I imagine, Mm. I imagine, to be honest with you, you you probably got a bit of a warm welcome from a lot of these people. I say these people, a lot of the people who were homeless on the street because it was, it was some sort of stimulation for you, for them to, to speak to someone they wouldn't usually speak to you, you know, not many people probably give their time um to those on the street it's what kind of conversation well, did you have i mean how how let's say you approached an individual what i'm guessing you said hello how are you doing i'd like to take your photo how do these conversations start and how long do they go on for um it it varied massively between people did you ever did you get they... did you ever get any pushback from anyone was anybody oh, sort of like leave me yeah. alone yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Because as well, it's um, it's really important to bear in mind as well that um, in the homeless community, there's a disproportionate amount of uh, of, men- of mental health as well. So, uh, he- mental health issues, physical health issues as well. You know, it's 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 all the you know the perfect the perfect storm um, to create this you know this horrible situation. You know, I say perfect storm. I mean that ironically. Mm. Um, you know, all these health issues, um, that exist, you know, and, and, uh, substance abuse issues, um, it's, it's just, dis- it exists dis- disproportionately in the, um, in the homeless community. So, uh, yeah, of course I, I would, I would get, I'd get pushed back. Um, generally I would approach, um, I would approach someone, um, and it was always, it was always in their place. You know, a lot of, a lot of people were sat on the ground. Um, so I would, I would go over and kind of go into their, into their environment and, um, I would explain, you know, I would tell them my name. I would tell them I'm from England and I would just, I would just start strike up a conversation. I would give them, give them a couple of dollars, um, and just, just start talking to them and explain that, explain that I was, uh, talking, doing, doing a series about homelessness during COVID and, you know, would you mind if I take your picture? It was very, very simple. So, you know, most, most people, most people would say, yes, I think ultimately the, um, the series got about, probably I, I photographed probably about 50, 60 wow. subjects. Yeah. It was. So um, was this in partnership with a charity then? No, I mean, because, because I, I kind of, I kind of wish that I had, uh, that I had thought of it before I actually arrived, but literally I arrived, and it kind of it presented itself to it kind me of just happened, as yeah, being, kind of, yeah, sure. it, as being like the mission for this trip. Um, sorry, mission sounds incredibly self-aggrandizing, um, but it it just kind of, it just kind of came to me. So, um, but then in in publishing the photos on, or putting putting the photos out on my Instagram, I I made sure to um, uh, to promote an incredible charity called Coalition for the Homeless, um, which is the nation's oldest advocacy group for for homeless people. Um, so you know I 
my 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 intention was always to um to kind of raise raise awareness and hopefully uh you know hopefully raise some money as well if people um if people felt inclined um but yeah i mean the the, the conversations would range from anything and it, and it was it was quite sweet as well a few a few of the people like i said i was on the streets for about 2 weeks uh photographing and i yeah met met plenty plenty of people but a lot of them i would um you know i'd bump into them at different you know different locations different times and you know, a, a lot of the time um a lot of the times i would buy you know i would buy the people the people that i knew i'd buy them lunch um you know i'd sit down with them have a coffee um all that kind of thing there there are a few in the series that uh, that i actually i was on the i was on the phone to my younger sister at one point just um just wandering around and i and i bumped into uh carl again you know carl marx as he called himself oh. <laughs> um bumped into him and i was on the phone to my to my younger sister and i was like oh you know Amy, i'm so sorry i'm going to have to going to have to run and Carl and I just wandered, you know, wandered a couple of blocks up together and had a nice chat. Carl, um, I'm on your Instagram now. Uh, Carl looks like a fucking dude, by the way. He's, um, he's such a sweetheart. Uh, for people who are very curious and will be curious about your Instagram, it is at Sarah Florence Lord. I'll also put it in the description and all the social media and stuff because the photos, uh, I mean, everything about them, the, the, the photo itself and the caption, everyone who other people in your photos seem the ones that you've taken and put on your social media seem so happy to be in the photos i mean it's just mm. you know the, the photos so like i said earlier speak such volume of, of, of it's not just the person you can see some of this the shit they've gone through just by you know what i mean there's just you, can, you kind of absorb the photos i'm assuming you've got more that you're, you're going to release further down the line um it it kind of depends. I didn't I didn't want to. My intention with it was um, not to overload people because I think it's a very especially doing doing a kind of doing a social issue piece like uh, as as this is. Um, I thought it was really important not to um, kind of create a deluge. I didn't want it to right. become too heavy or too you know like I was shaking, you know, wagging a finger at anyone. Um, but just, just putting, putting, putting a face to the, you know, to say, to say that there are 57,000 people living in shelters, you know, that, that's a number. That's not a face. That's not a story. That's not an explanation of how that, how that person came to be on the streets. Whereas what I was hoping to do with this was, was to kind of make it, was to humanize it make them people um and and it i mean on it it was so it was incredibly touching to talk to talk to talk to the homeless community and to feel you know exactly as you said to feel that welcome because i think i think as well being being english we kind of have a propensity to uh kind of you know maybe maybe give give people a bit more room than they than they necessarily want. I was I was incredibly nervous at the start asking strangers if I could take their photo. I felt that that was quite intrusive. Mm. Um but it was but it was still something that I thought was important and wanted to do and you know and there were so many people that were happy happy to have um to have their photo taken and I would show them the photo after 
and the smiles on their faces were were so were so so sweet <laughs> and the story the that. stories this the stories of each of these people range massively you know as you said there are a lot of people who were so happy to have happy to have a camera ha- happy to uh, talk to me happy just in general and then equally there were people who talking to them absolutely broke my heart um specifically the final the the fight the final uh portrait in the series uh was actually the the last uh person i photographed was a woman called paula and again she was on fifth avenue um literally from from the photo my back is directly to trump tower and this was it was interesting it was it was in sept- September 2020, so you know a, f- a, a couple a couple of months after after the riots. You know, Black Lives Matter was still you know that 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 tension was still in the city, and 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 I think it will be for for a very very long time as well. It fucking well should. Um, but walking. Walking, walking down Fifth Avenue, walking past Trump Tower, and there was the Black Lives Matter mural that was um, that was done in front of Trump Tower, all down, all the way down Fifth Avenue, and that someone had then vandalized um, a week later or so by throwing paint on it. So I'm walking past Trump Tower, and there's like like 15 security uh, police police uh, police presence police cars, you know, and, and it was so clear, you know, it was how much, how much that cost, how much it cost to have that heavier police presence, to have the very, the living reminder of George Floyd in the, in that Black Lives Matter uh, mural on the, um, on the, on the road of, of Fifth Avenue. And then literally right in the shadow of Trump Tower is this woman, Paula, who was kind of was kind of crumpled up. She she was she was covered in a blanket, um, crumpled up, and it, it was it was absolutely heartbreaking. I, I I asked her if I could take her photo, and she was she was she was initially a bit reluctant. Um, she she thought about it for a couple of minutes, and she she finally kind of looked up and said. Yes, you have uh, you have one 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 sh- one shot. So I take <laughs> so I take her photo. Yeah, I take her photo, and then I I um, sit down next to her to show her the photo, to show uh, you know, and to introduce myself and to talk talk a little bit more. And um, and I asked her what her name was, and she asked me what my name was. I I said it was Sarah, and she she looked up at me. And her eyes just started filling with tears. She started crying, and she told me that Sarah was the name of her sister who had died um, that same year, just a couple of days after her mother had died. Oh fucking! And hell. it was it was fucking brutal. Hell. It was I mean, but it was and it was one of the most kind of surreal, surreal yet surreal yet real moments where I am sat on Fifth Avenue in the shadow of Trump Tower. With this woman, with this stranger that I've never met before, and we're both just we're both crying, we're both just fucking bawling. And oh I, my and god! It, yeah. So then, so I asked her, um, I asked her if I could, which 
I was I was nervous about. I didn't I didn't think that she would um, that she would allow it. But I asked her if I could photograph her like that. You know, I I thought it was the the moment was so rare and unexpected and surreal. I asked her if I could photograph her. Um, you know, with the with the tears on her face, and she she very very bravely said said that I could. And that was, and literally took that photo, you know, thanked her, went, went, went on my way, you know, and, um, and I, and I was like, that's it. That's, 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 it's done. That's the series that's finished. So it started with Carl and it ended with Paula. And then I met, I just met all of these incredible people in between from, from all, all over the States. Um, (laughs) It was a it was a really really special experience. You, you can't even write it. I mean, it's no. just the way you were just saying then how. I mean, I've just been as you were talking. Then I was just rereading the caption. Um, mm. I mean, the photo is incredible. Um, Thank you. Uh, uh, it, I mean, the thing the problem is when I first saw it because I didn't read the caption earlier. It, it's mm-hmm. it from from a distance. It looks like it's a sort of happiness, but then. I looked again and realized that it's not, you can, it, it's, it's definitely not. Um, the, it's, oh, I mean, the fact that again, you've, you've, you mentioned it there, but also you put it in the caption, um, literally directly in the shadow of Trump tower. It's just, it's, it's, I mean, it's fucking just, I, there's no words. Um, <laughs> I can't even imagine how you felt. Well, that's that's what, just... that's that's what the photos for, right? When there are no words. Well, no, exactly, image, exactly. Literally, literally a, a, a picture can say a thousand words. Um, what will you? What, it's difficult to sort of bridge from a topic like this because obviously it's very sensitive and it's um, it, it's 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 a weird question to ask. But what take what what makes a good photo whether it's something to show emotion or i mean yeah it's such a vague question and you kind of you can kind of interpret it how you want to but what makes Mm. i mean (laughs) it's horrible to describe a photo like that as being a it's a weird situation because whilst Mm. it is a it's a good photo because you're seeing can you see what i'm trying to say it's so horrible to describe it because it's it's such no, a I weird, know. yeah. But at the same time, it's the reason why it, you know it is a good photo is because you can see you can see the emotion. It's a powerful photo. So whilst it is a powerful good photo, it's showing sadness. But what makes mm. a photo so raw and so powerful is it because the individual comes across as being exposed emotionally or? Is it? Is there more to it? Do you, do you know? Do you have like the idea, or do you just kind of take Oof. the photo? <laughs> yeah, it's a very, very long-winded question, but I wanted to make it clear that what I meant. Is, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've taken plenty, plenty of bad photos, so I'm, I, I think, I think I know what a bad photo looks like. Um, but with a good photo, it's, it's a lot trickier because then all of a sudden. A, you know, a photo should have an audience. There, sh- it should be a a, pu- a public, th- you know, a good photo. So all of a sudden, you're not just contending with um, with your with what you think is good, what your standards are. You're kind of thinking you're you're thinking about the wider world as well. So, and I mean, in terms of what makes a good photo, there 
uh, plenty of <laughs> academic um, academic angles and compositions and you know x y and z all that bollocks that um you know quote unquote make a good photo that's you know that's kind of <laughs> I, um, I've, I know I've, what you're I've, getting at too <laughs> I've, yeah i've i've been i've i'm self-taught with photography um just you know fucking around and trying to work it out and then trying to work out it worked what, out for you, you that's for sure I mean, <laughs> photos, it, yeah Thank you. But I, I know, I know, I, I think I know what you mean because there's a big difference between something being aesthetically pleasing and being a good photo. Maybe expressive. Is that sense. a good word? Is that a good yeah, word? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with, with, with these photos specifically, because they're, it's, it's kind of a, a photo journalistic um, series. Um, I think it has a lot, it has a lot more to do with the person in front of the camera than, the person behind it i mean these photos are not technically challenging there's you know it's all natural light it was there was no set <laughs> like the, there was no production basically it was just me sure. pointing my camera at them it's there to tell a story sure. opposed to say yeah. for example if you're taking a photo of a model in a studio uh -huh. with a set with a sort of brief uh and, and exactly. the kind of you know what you want the finished product to look like which goes on to my next question so let's say for example because there's a lot of other photos on there where you've taken um photos of of uh friends slash models slash mm -hmm. uh people who look aesthetically pleasing on film which is another mm -hmm. uh, another point i'm going to raise later about the concept of being photogenic because i find that mm -hmm. fascinating but Interesting. Uh, what do you enjoy most um what what form of photography do you do you enjoy i mean obviously you enjoy the photojournalism aspect but do you also enjoy um the sort of creative aspect with a modeling and stuff like that yeah i mean a lot of these you know like like <laughs> like i said um a lot of the the, photo the photography that i've done um has really really only been from um probably like july 2020 so you know not not that long that feels like that five I've years ago of, though <laughs> i know it's ridiculous <laughs> not, not five months five years um so i'm still i'm still very much like working out what i enjoy and sorry so if you if you look at i mean my my page basically is um is this weird this weird mix of um of landscapes or uh you know or portraits or there's a there's a live performance um piece in there for some musicians um you know they're just kind of at the, at the moment it's just kind of a mood board it's a soundboard of um things that i things that i enjoy and people that i enjoy and and everything else um so I'm 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 still working it out basically. I'm still still experimenting quite a bit um with with what resonates entirely with me. I I really truly did enjoy the um the photo photojournalistic um aspect. But but equally I really enjoy having having these these people that are that are on on my page they're all they're friends you know they're people i love people that and i think i think it's quite an intimate thing it's quite an intimate space to do a photo shoot with with someone who doesn't doesn't necessarily um 
do it, you know, professionally or or anything like that. So it's a it's a very um, um, collaborative experience um, and a and a very and a very trusting one. I'm lucky enough to know a lot of very beautiful, very trusting, giving, creative people. Do you think someone can have an eye for photography? Because it's something that you kind of hear a lot. Do you think, <laughs> it sounds so cliche to say, but do you think someone is born with the sort of understanding in their brain and the, the vision they have to mm. sort of take a good photo? Absolutely. I mean, if I, th- I, think, I think it has a lot to do with, um, with taste as well. You know, what, what you think looks good and what you think says something. You know, and, and it's funny because there are plenty, there are plenty of photographers that I idolize that I, you know, I look at their body of work and I'm just like, how did they see that? But at the same time, you know, that picture, I've seen it, especially with street photography. My, I would love to be good at street photography, but I don't see those moments that's I think I think I think that's why I enjoy portraits so much is that it's a it's it's an intimate it's an intimacy and it's a an aesthetic that that I feel comfortable with and I do try to you know, I try to kind of push myself um, outside of that and challenge myself but I think I think people people are born with different uh, with different abilities I do I do think that someone um, you know has can have an eye for photography and can you know see see what's in front of you and see it as an image do you think there's that, also... that doesn't oft, that doesn't always translate but for some people it just does do you think there's also a level of luck in quotation marks to a good photo so you know you've captured it at the right moment or do you think mm. there could be it doesn't really matter about the moment it, as long as if, you know it doesn't have to be that specific moment it was down to the photographer who i'm i'm trying to get the words out here with this one but yeah <laughs> essentially do you think there's a level of luck to capturing a great photo or do you think it's it's not luck the photographer has found has selected the right time the right mm. uh the right sort of um I don't want to use the word target. What's the what's the right word? The, <laughs> Sub, uh, the subject. Subject. Thank you. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Um, I think you can definitely you can I, I, photography, especially you know when when you go into a studio and when you go in you know when you're doing um, something commercial, there's a very different intention and I, so kind of looking looking beyond that to kind of. With an, with an organic photo, I think there's definitely an intuition that exists um, for, you know, and it's, I, I guess in a way it's the same, the same as it would be with an artist, you know. Yes, I think obviously what's in front of you makes that, or what, what's in front of you is that photograph, but what makes that photograph is the person behind the camera. But then equally, I'll look at, I'll look at some of the photos that I've taken and I'm always, kind of, I'm always wondering, you know, was that the right angle or was that the right, um, you know, the right exposure or whatever else. I, and I guess you that. can't really go back and change that either, can you? Once you've taken the photo, you exactly. can't go back and re- unless it's unless it's with a, um, a, a subject who is in a studio, then you can. But if it's out in, in quotation marks in the wild, then, you know, yeah. you can't really be going back to recreate that moment. 
Yeah, I think I think that's the, that's the really interesting, interesting and challenging thing is to kind of let those let those moments be because I think I think with with photographers especially there's this kind of innate enjoyment and instinct to I don't know maybe maybe to document life to kind of you know all of, all of these photos are just frozen moments in time they're just um, they're just yeah they're they're they're, fr- they're frozen moments in moments in time that uh, little little snapshots into you know into each of our specific existence which is you know it's quite it's quite a weird quite a weird quite a meta concept that you know that photo yes it took you know it took focus and concentration and uh, you know effort to make it happen but that's just a snapshot in the life of <laughs> in you know in in our continued lives it's also crazy when you think about it that photos will literally last forever um yeah it's so well, it's so it's such a concept that we we we're, we're all aware of about photos mm. lasting forever but when you're posing for a photo or taking a photo yeah that's it. it it has the potential to last forever it's it's very it's very strange yeah <laughs> it's what, um you know i'm I'm, I'm looking i'm looking i'm looking right now at um at a photo um where i was chasing just chasing this flock of uh pigeons very you know Gently, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to scare them, but I had my camera. I had my camera, you know, kind of held in front of me, you know, high, high burst, uh, high burst capture. And I was just like chasing, chasing this flock of pigeons around in um, in New York. And I think there's, you know, in the in the final um, in the final post, I I did about used about three or four photos, you know. And just just the slight movement of a bird's wing—that's a completely different moment in time from you know mm. the, from <laughs> what's been captured and what's been saved and what's been exhibited is. It's just it's so specific. I find I find it I find it kind of fascinating. I know that's sorry. We're getting very um, uh, very very far into the the meta world of. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's one of those things where unless you, again, unless you kind of sit down and actively think about it, um, Mm. it's not something you consider. Um, So there's a few, well, the last few questions I want to ask, uh, one of them being, what do you think makes someone or something photogenic? Um, It's always something which I've found an interesting, an interesting concept of an item or yeah, something or someone um, being photogenic, it's it's been the case in the past. It, I would have considered myself in the past photogenic, but then this photo is now that I've been in that I'm like, holy <laughs> fuck! Um, right. So it's it's in, yeah. I mean, it, w- what do you think um, makes someone or something photogenic? Yeah, it's it's a really difficult question because I'm um, I I I don't consider myself photogenic, but you know, but equally I don't see. I think we all see. We, we, we all see ourselves, you know, obviously we're very interested in our reflection, in our exterior, in, mm. you know, in, in what we present to the world. It's a very important thing. Um, but we often forget that actually, you know, how I see myself 
physically, not even, you know, not even it's kind different of to how someone else deeper. sees you. Yeah, exactly. So it's mind blowing, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's, it's such an interesting topic of conversation. Yeah, it's it's bizarre because like each each person's existence is so dictated by um, by our own perception, but then our you know our perception is you know one in seven billion. You know, it's it's a it's a very very um, it's 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 a it's a non it's a non entity. So. You know, and I think I think tech, you know, on the on the technical aspects of you know whether someone's photogenic, you know, often you know that has the has the uh, um, the undertone of you know are they pretty? Is that you know are they aesthetically pleasing? But that's not always the case. I think, especially with um, you know, when I when I photograph people, what I'm really interested in is their personality, like what their and how and how willing they are to share that with me, you know, being able to express, being able to express yourself um, without worrying what you look like or what the end result is. Just being that, being that truthfully organic being in front of the camera is a very, very difficult thing. Um, you know, I think especially, especially with Instagram, with all of this filters. stuff we're kind of yeah filters you know what, whatever it is i think we're so um conditioned to kind of expect ourselves to look not not even you know not even try to but we just kind of ex- you know that's how we see everybody else looking and that's you know the expectation is that you look like that too <laughs> and that's and that's not the case so yeah, it, it is very interesting. Inter- interesting wanna, question. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to ask um, about Instagram and like the sort of effects on that on the world of photography, but it's such a, it's such a rabbit hole of a question. I won't bother. <laughs> um, so I will ask you one last question, which I ask every single guest. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this question, but that is, if I gave you a blank canvas, what would you paint on it and why? Oh mate. <laughs> I love that, but that's terrifying. <laughs> um oh wow. Hmm. It's so it's so hard to kind of to take it's so hard to it's so hard to get the get like the world down in in a single frame. I think it's imp- imp- impossible. It's um there's no like wrong or right answer here, by the way. It's entirely up to you. Oh, I'll how... definitely get it wrong. I know I will. Because <laughs> <laughs> because there's been a few guests in the past who have interpreted it in their own way, and they've, they've, mm. it's been like, well, is the blank canvas the world, or is it like so? It's yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of you know up to you how you answer. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I think I think um, I, I think I think right now, especially where we are politically and socially and ev- everything in between. I think right now we kind of have the opportunity to have a blank canvas. You know, we have this shift in, um, we have this shift in politics and we have this shift in awareness and consciousness. And, um, you know, I think, I think the shared consciousness of the world, we're, we're ready to, um, to move on from this divisiveness that we've been experiencing as, you know, especially as well with, um, um, the environment. I'm currently involved in a um in a project in a charity project that 
will be will be released in a couple of months. Um, that I've been working, yeah, working with this incredible team of people and, and contributors from all over the world, charities. Where it's truly, truly an incredible piece, but it's it's all based around um, based around the environment and combating species extinction and all that all that kind of thing um, through storytelling and one thing that we've spoken about is the fact that the most defining the most defining period of time that we've experienced as a species so far has been the industrial revolution you know since that since that moment our lives have been completely dictated by um by what what the industrial revolution has given us what it's taken away all that kind of thing and i think where we are now i think we're ready for a green revolution you know there's a there's kind of i think i feel that there's a shift in time a shift in consciousness that is you know everything's happened perfectly just the way it should but now is the time for us to evolve and be more aware and more conscious and considerate to what we're leaving behind well that was probably the best sort of answer i've ever had to be honest with you um <laughs> considering that you you definitely weren't aware of the question um yeah thank you very much sarah <laughs> yeah. I'm looking f- I re- first i really appreciate your time and it's been a lot of fun t- talking with you uh, and oh, hearing everything about too, all the photos and stuff so yeah thank you very much for your time thank you for listening to this episode of a blank canvas you can follow us on instagram at a blank canvas pod or you can like us on Facebook forward slash a blank canvas pod. If you want to contact us for any reason, it's hello at a blank canvas pod.com or visit our website, a blank canvas pod.com.